A very interesting commercial took place during the Super Bowl. It was about crypto. Now, we've talked a little bit about crypto on the show, but we're getting it from a perspective in this commercial through the lens of a comedian, Larry David, or at least he's being utilized in the commercial. And of recently, we've also spoke about the South Park writers and how they seem to feel about crypto through their episodes. And the perspectives are on opposite sides. So we're going to have a discussion about crypto from these two different perspectives. And we're going to use the lens of these comedy legends to do it. Then we're going to discuss the situation that seems to be getting really out of hand with the trucker convoy over in Canada and the government going to extreme measures to stop them. And then finally, we're going to discuss a sketch that we wrote and directed and filmed and starred in eight years ago. It's going to be a discussion about comedy, sketch comedy, writing, and uh, a passion project. And the reason why is because it's around Valentine's Day and that particular sketch was a Valentine's Day sketch. Let's get into it. Yo, this is Hanging with Apes, an Audio Apes podcast. Real talk, real topics, no limits. Audio Apes, music with no boundaries. What's up, everybody? This is K Cartoon. This is RX Phonics. We are the Audio Apes, and you are officially Hanging with Apes, a weekly Tuesday podcast where we discuss trending topics and current news with a philosophical and comedic flair and our take on it. Two guys from the south side of Chicago. There is explicit language at times, so be advised. Going over to our website, that's hangingwithapes.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. And if you want to listen to some really good rap and hip-hop, go to any major music streaming platform, type in Audio Apes, and our catalog pops up. It truly is the best. It truly is the best. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, give us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. If you know somebody that is interested in the content that we discuss, please share the episode with them. And if you want to help us stay independent, go to our website and donate an amount of your choosing. Now, um, the way we're going to start this off is we're going to talk about the Super Bowl commercials. Well, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl commercial versus the South Park perspective of crypto, because that ties in to a little bit with what's going on over in Canada and them freezing the funds that are being sent over to the truckers convoy, um, including crypto, which is interesting. So a lot to talk about. And then we're going to discuss uh, one of our sketches from a while ago that is funny. And I had reposted it, um, kind of give you an, a look into the creative process of that sketch because it has to do with Valentine's Day and it's around Valentine's Day and uh, we killed Cupid essentially in that sketch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um, it, it was an interesting writing process. But um, kicking it off, uh, obviously I know many of you that are listening to this had watched the Super Bowl. Um, I really didn't. I watched part of it yeah. because I wanted to see the halftime show which <laughs> i did which uh it was interesting it was good i i really enjoyed the halftime show it's funny because there's a lot of people online that are saying that that was the best halftime show ever but then there's a lot of people saying that they hated it so yeah. it seems to be like a very polarizing 
uh, halftime show. It's weird though because it's like, you know, rap and especially like those particular rappers like are so well known and worldwide. Yeah. That yeah. I thought like everybody would rock with it, but uh, apparently you know not everybody's rocking with it. But I do see like more love for it than hate. But it was it was an interesting halftime show. I enjoyed it. Um, the setup was good too. Um, oh yeah, it was dope. Um, but during the halftime show. There was one particular commercial that stood out to me. Well, there were two commercials that stood out to me. One was this QR code that was bouncing around on the screen and changing colors. And it turns out that that was a commercial for Coinbase. I didn't scan the QR code because like, I'm, I'm very cautious about the QR codes that I scan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I, I, I don't like accessing things that, that I don't know what they are prior. Um, and so I didn't scan it, but... Uh, that was a wild-ass commercial, though. But it, like, it, it was interesting. And it's funny because Anomaly on Twitter, he was talking about that commercial, and he was saying how uh, he scanned it, and he's like, and he thought that it was the best commercial so far. Yeah. Obviously, he's a very anti-government uh, uh, or at least anti-big government personality. So yeah. he's going to lean more towards, you know, the idea of crypto and, and everything that is, even though I, I don't know if he's involved in yeah. crypto, but I could definitely see him liking the philosophy of, you know, what crypto is supposed to be. And um, he was talking about it. Now, that was one commercial. But the second commercial and the commercial that we're going to talk about was from a company called FTX, which I imagine it's something like Coinbase because the commercial talks about how it's an easy way to get into crypto. And the commercial essentially is about a minute long and you have Larry David. Yes, the legendary Larry David from Kirby Enthusiasm and uh, bigger and better show Seinfeld um, in the commercial and he plays somebody in different time periods at moments where these great inventions or innovations were either discovered or invented or solidified or what have you. So he's there. They show him at the advent of the wheel. They show him at the Declaration of Independence. They show him at a, 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 a company discussing MP3s. They show him at uh talking with edison and you see a, a light bulb <laughs> at the table you see they show him at nasa saying that nobody will ever go to the moon all of these different places and times where great things happened <clears throat> and essentially what the commercial is trying to say is that there have always been naysayers whenever great things have happened because he is the naysayer in each one of those moments. So in the moment where there's, uh, you know, the guy invents the wheel, he's saying, no, it's not going to work. At the moment where they invent the toilet, yeah. he's like, no, we go outside like humans. We don't use it in the house like animals. Um, uh, at the <laughs> moment, at the Declaration of Independence, he's like, everybody can vote, even the stupid people. So essentially, he's the guy that that's the the naysayer at at in the midst of all these great things that have essentially changed the course of history the course of culture the course of how we live 
the course of our comfort, the course of everything. Now, the message behind that commercial is that crypto is the future and there's always going to be people that don't believe in it. Now, on the flip side of it, we've talked about it before on the show, but I'll reiterate. And then they've even talked about some new stuff with South Park. The South Park writers have had a few instances in which they discuss what's going on with the cryptocurrency and how they feel about it. You got one episode where they just they describe it as a Ponzi scheme where Stan is an adult and he's going in to check in at a hotel and the guy at the hotel, he says, oh, well, we only take Bitcoin because um, we all decided that the government is corrupt and we, we traded in fiat for uh, uh, a, a fly-by-night Ponzi scheme. Then <laughs> you see how they feel about the NFTs and it's a bunch of people putting a lot of money into what essentially amounts to some digital JPEG. Yeah. Um, and then in the more one of the more recent episodes of season 25 which they're only about two episodes in uh you have cartman talking about the matt damon coinbase commercial where he says fortune favors the brave and uh they talk about how people in south park listen to matt damon after seeing that commercial which is a real commercial mind you and they lost everything so you see the South Park writers, they seem to be leaning on one side of this argument. Why we find this argument interesting is because we're getting a discussion about something that's very important and that's going on in our economy and that's going on with money and could potentially be the future. And we're getting the perspectives through the lens of legendary comedy writers. So with all that being said, and I had to set the stage, I know it was kind of long winded, but I definitely had to set the stage before this discussion, because that's the only way that this discussion will make sense. If yeah. you don't set the stage, yeah. people are going to be like, well, I don't, I can't, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know why or whatever. So I, I, I set the stage as thoroughly as possible. Yeah. Um, so now delving into the actual discussion, um, what side do you tend to lean on or do you find yourself agreeing with more the larry david side or the matt stone and trey parker side um i'm in the middle uh in the middle leaning towards south park why is that because i do find an intrigue in crypto I do see, you know, like, especially with, with the metaverse now becoming a thing and as technology moves forward, this could be a way to, to introduce some of the stuff. Uh, but I, I do think it's also overinflated. There's a coin every day for everything. So if you do get into crypto, um, I'd obviously make, it would make sense to me to either look at Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, the reason I like Ethereum better is because to me it, it has, uh, something Bitcoin doesn't have, which is, uh, there's at least like a function for it. So, so. And what's that? What's the function? Like it, people use it as, um, what, what do they call it? Uh, 
there's a word for it. Um, damn it, I can't think right now. But basically, people use their Ethereum as like the base of where they might make their own coin or might make their own programs. So there's like a usability to mm-hmm. me from 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 that perspective. Whereas Bitcoin is more just like a coin. It's more like gold or silver, but digital, right? Not real. So so to me, it's like oh well, okay. But Bitcoin got there first, and so I'm like, all right. Obviously, that's why it's worth the most. So I, I find interest in that, but I don't, the, the, the thing that to me where South Park makes a lot of sense is like, and where a lot of the crypto heads don't make a lot of sense is like, you're very, uh, in a way like a, like a financial, uh, the, the financial powers that be, you're kind of like an anarchist when it comes to this and you will not win that war. You're not going to win that war. You're not going to win against governments who control everything. Let's rewind back the clocks to Parler. And what happened to them? Yeah. When they started taking over the powers that be. Oh, damn. That's the number one app everywhere. It's it's it's, it's tre- out-trending Twitter. It's out-trending any other app. All right, cool. Yeah. No, Amazon said we're not gonna because Amazon was uh was the one that had all the servers, servers for them. Yeah. Now we're shutting you down. Uh, and, all a- the- and then Apple removed them from the App Ex- Store. Exactly. So you got removed by the powers that be. And so to me, crypto is at the mercy of world governments, and um, I don't know that you could win that war. Yeah, like if you see government start to change, then. It's possible because I was thinking about this earlier because obviously like whenever we have our segments on the show, I think about them a lot um, either throughout the day or, or, or the time before we, we actually record or whatever have you. And uh, I was thinking about what if in the midterms we see a very Trump-like house come in. And you see that the national attitude towards politics is a very Trumpian attitude. People may be able to make a push towards some sort of decentralization of, of currency. No. Um, whether certain laws are written where, where the government has less access to the money that you have now and it doesn't you know totally transform from a system from from what it is now to to crypto or it does transform to a system uh then you would start to see the wheels go in motion towards that direction but you don't really see that um uh happening uh anytime soon so it makes me wonder the direction of crypto now what i get from these two legendary um comics uh, or or comedy writers and and their perspectives is south park is explaining why they don't rock with crypto they're explaining it they're saying that it's fly by night 
They're saying that it they they're liking in it to a Ponzi scheme. Uh they're making fun of of the fickle nature that is this NFT craze. Yeah. And they're also talking about how just like there are people that have made a lot of money with crypto, there have been people also that have been wiped out by thinking that it's like the yeah. next big thing and then it takes a shit one day because it's very volatile and they're speaking to that nature yeah. and they lose everything. Just like, you know, in in, in that the one of the, these latest episodes of South Park is season 25 where they're like, we got to be like Matt Damon where he says, fortune favors the brave. And then Clyde says, yeah, my dad listened to Matt Damon and lost all his money. And Carmen is like, yeah, everybody did. So it could it could happen. So they're they're explaining why they don't rock with it. Now, on the Larry David side, essentially, if you break down the logic, essentially, Larry David would be the skeptic, or at least he's playing the part of the skeptic in, yeah. in these different time periods where I find the false equivalency from the people that are in, in making these inventions or, or, or these innovations, the false equivalency between them and, and the crypto bros or the crypto heads is every one of those examples in the Larry David commercial, every one of those time periods, every one of those inventions, and every one of those inventors or innovators, in those moments can explain the game-changing ability of what they're inventing or, or, or what they're innovating in that moment. Yeah. A lot of the people, a lot of the people in crypto are not able to do that. And yeah. I've talked to a lot of them. See, yeah. a guy inventing the wheel, he could say, well, with this, yeah. we can move this and, and make and 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 transport people or or or, or sh uh, move a bunch of weight at one time. He's he can he can say that. Yeah. A guy that invents the toilet can explain, well, you don't gotta go out into the cold. It's more sanitary, I'll, everything like that. Edison, I mean, the light, I think that pretty much explains itself, but you don't got to use fire. You don't got to use candles. You don't got to use lanterns. It's it's a cheap, easy, effective, safe way to light up areas. Um, and then it's funny because the MP3 one, it reminded me, the MP3 part of that commercial it reminded me of, I don't know if you remember, I know you've seen the movie, but it reminded me of the Danny Boyle movie, Steve Jobs with Michael Fassbender, yeah. where Michael Fassbender is, plays Steve Jobs. And in that movie, and for anybody that is interested in what I'm saying, you go watch that movie. And in the very first few seconds of that movie, you see a guy explaining a humongous computer, a humongous computer to a guy and his son. He, they're, 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 he's explaining yeah. it to him, and he's like, "Yeah," uh, and, and it looks like I, I don't know if it's if it says the year, it might say the year, but it looks like it's like mid seventies, late seventies. It's a long time ago. Yeah, humongous computer, 
And essentially what the man says, and this is real footage. This wasn't footage made for the movie. This yeah. was footage that the movie used that was that was actual footage. Yeah. The man says when and he points to the man's son, he's like, When your son is your age, yeah, he's gonna be able to fit this in his pocket and it's gonna have like the, the his ticket to the theater, yeah, calendar, like all of this yeah. information. So this guy was back then during the advent of of something that was revolutionary maybe whether you were a skeptic or not at least he was able to explain what it would do yeah yeah and where it could go with crypto yes philosophically we know what it could do and where yeah. it could go but we're not seeing any signs of that philosophy being able to come to fruition with the current government so all yeah, you exactly. could go off of is total speculation that is why I lean more towards the South Park writers yeah. because it's like, well, where is the person out of the multitude of YouTube videos, out of the multitude of people that I've talked to in person, out of the multitude of, of Reddit forums that I follow, where is the person that could tell me why this is a good investment now yeah. other than you buy it and you're hoping that somebody will buy it when it raises in price behind yeah. you like other than that what do we have to go off of yeah. whereas in the larry david commercial all of those other things whether you're a skeptic or not still have practical use in the real world yeah because like i go back to to ethereum like the practicality of it i'm like okay this makes sense to me you're like a tollway right uh um, what's on, on Gemini, the Winklevoss twins, they, they, uh, they founded uh, Gemini, the app, which is for, to buy various it's, different it's, it's crypto. It's like Coinbase. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like a Coinbase competitor. But in, in that, they also partner. Which those are a lot of those now. Oh I mean, yeah. There's they're, a bunch. They're, yeah. And, and so then from there, it's like, okay, they saw that Mark Zuckerberg came out with Meta. So then they were like, oh, Somnion Space, we're going to partner with them. So then Somnion Space is another metaverse, but they have their own coin, but it's Ethereum-based. So then basically it's like a tollway. So like, all right, cool. You made your coin through this and this world, but you're paying us for this service in a way. You, you see what I'm saying? So I can rock with that, but but then what, happen, what happens if, if you do all that and then the government's like, no, we could do it better. But even that is like, it's speculative because like you don't, like this whole metaverse thing, yeah. you have professors saying, that I was reading an article from the New York Post the other day where this uh, NYU professor, I want to say it is, his assessment of the metaverse, he's like, it's going to be like a flaming bag of dog shit. Like it's not yeah. going to be anything. Like It can't be with what we have now. I do, what what are we gonna what, like what how how are we gonna be like intrigued to be in a metaverse when the real world exists? So it would have to be like some revolutionary beyond, Westworld beyond, shit. Uh, uh, what beyond getting the experience of like what a video game gives you? Which, yeah, which is like it's cool, but like it's not real life. That's not real life. Now, if you create something, because for instance. Uh, we were talking about it recently and I was saying how I was watching this video, which I ended up sending it to you, how, how GTA five 
made more than oh, than yeah. two end games. And what's interesting about that is it turns out that GTA Five is the most lucrative piece of media ever created. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's insane. Now, so that means there's a lot of money, a lot of people playing it. I know. But at the same time, GTA Five has been around for a very long time now because yeah. the other day I was uh, uh, cleaning off my PS3 and, and my PS3 games and I was like, damn, I, rem- I remember GTA Five as a PS4 game. But yeah. GTA Five actually came out during the PS3. Yeah, because I have two. I have the PS3 version and the PS4 version. Yeah. And actually, I passed, or I didn't pass it, but I passed more on the PS3. And so on the PS4, I was like, fuck, I do all that over? Yeah. Nah. But, but, but it's just, it's crazy, <laughs> though, because it's like, well, this shit has been around a long time. Yeah. And people keep pouring money into it. But if the metaverse can create, like, imagine... The metaverse could create like what you could do in GTA Five, but like feel it. Yeah. Well, now we're talking something like next level, but I I don't know. I just think we're like like a long time away from that. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like in the future there that is definitely a possibility, but we're far from that future. I don't see it. It would have to be some wild ass like something that that changes the game, and we haven't seen that. So at, at at this point, like like you said, a lot of this stuff is speculative. Somnion Space is not doing well. And and then another thing too, if there are so many well. cryptocurrencies, who's to say that like you'll even be able like for instance, if like like uh like Tesla, they're saying Tesla is saying that that they're considering in the future that they'll take Dogecoin as like a payment. No. Well, if Dogecoin is a competitor of Bitcoin and Ethereum, yeah. So then it's like, well, I gotta trade my Bitcoin for Dogecoin to buy a Tesla, and then what if? Because <laughs> uh, remember, Facebook they were talking about their own crypto, Libra. Or, yeah. So now. I got to trade to it. It's getting so wacky yeah. that it's like people would just be like, all right, well, I'll just keep dollars. And then if I go buy a Tesla, I'll either buy, trade the dollars for Dogecoin and buy the Tesla or just pay dollars for the Tesla because yeah. it's like supposed to be decentralized. But like th- uh, there's one new one every day or buy real estate and stocks. And when Bitcoin takes over, as the currency all over the world, then you'll be worth a lot of Bitcoin because you have listed in stocks. Right. So like, there's um, there's an interest in in that. Like like I said, crypto, there is potential in that, but there's still like you said, it's very muddled and very like speculative. Really, like we don't really know what it could do. We haven't seen something just be like, oh, this is this is where we're going with this, and so. For all the people that are like, yeah, but it's decentralized. Decentralized from what? 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 Where are you getting this from? Right, because the internet is centralized. The government centralizes everything. So, and, and I think that's a perfect segue into yeah. the next segment because you see, with the the extreme measures that the Canadian government are taking against this trucker convoy, in the press conference that they did today, which they're taking. 
they're essentially <laughs> equating sending money to the trucker convoy as as like funding terrorism. They're they're equating yeah. it that, and they're freezing all funds, including crypto. To me, when I looked at that, when I saw that, because well, I I saw I came across it on Twitter. The first, the very first thing I did was I went on Robinhood and I looked at where Bitcoin was and did yeah. it drop because to me it should have dropped a lot. Like yeah. if a government is saying, "Well, we're freezing crypto," so then I thought this was like the thing that crypto was supposed to like be able to outsmart the government. Yeah, you know well, what I'm saying. Apparently not. Yeah, like and so and Canada is a big, 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 big country. So what, what was going to happen? And then India. When we were talking in pre-production last month, India and 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 the, and a lot of the government officials are saying we want we're trying to push for a, a a ban on crypto. What happens if like all world leaders are like, hey, listen, we really like we mediate what goes on on the internet. We get to control who gets banned. We get to put pressure on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Like, no, it's illegal to talk about Bitcoin. It's illegal to talk about crypto in general. And if anyone talks about it or if anyone has any sort of transactions online, we're going to start finding them or arresting them. And they could do that. Like, they could do that. I mean, it's 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 a wild-ass, like, uh, concept to think that, you know, like, we, you'd get arrested for doing crypto-type shit. But, like... You don't really have control unless it, th- unless there's another internet that like th- the government can't control. But like, how do you even do that? And and the reality is this: if you want to decentralize something, you don't even need to make that much of a crazy transition. The reality is, all you need to do is with. I mean, I mean, you need a, a government and a president that is for the people. You simplify the IRS or get rid of them because there's actually like people out there that that and I'm, I'm I tend to be one of them. I think you could do without the IRS, yeah. um, but simplify it. Like I remember Herman Cain, uh, rest in peace, um, when he was running for president, he had some great ideas when it came to how to deal with taxes. He's like, you know what? You see an index card, a regular size index card. It shouldn't take more than that for anybody to fill out their taxes. Like here, yeah. this is this is what I made. This is that, and that's it. Yeah. You know, flat tax. And another thing, if the government made it where there's less surveillance on the people, cash would become king again, and like that would become like a decentralized currency. Like imagine going back to a time because there was a time for it. Instead of Bitcoin and all of this stuff that apparently the government still can have some level of control over. Imagine going back to a time where if you want to go and buy, you see a $50,000 car, you go to the you go to the dealership and you, you take a duffel bag with $50,000 in it. And yeah. they legally can't ask you any questions. Well, yeah. where does it come from? <laughs> so that's the thing that I think people forget. And a lot of these crypto heads, they forget that there was a time you could do that. Yeah, And so you had a government that made it where like, well, no, you don't have the right to ask citizens if we think because they say they apparently they started all of that in the name of like, oh, well, if people sell drugs or doing something nefarious, 
we could track it or whatever. But guess what? The motherfuckers that are doing that are still doing that with all of these measures in place. Yeah. So why don't you <laughs> take your foot off the neck of the regular everyday people? Why don't you do that? Make it law where you can't do that. Yeah. And if you think somebody is up to no something nefarious and you have enough evidence for that, well, then you go after them and you investigate them and you do your job. But until then, yeah. you have no right to ask me. There, was, There's a badass scene. I never saw the show, but it actually makes me want to watch the show. Yeah. I saw. I came across this preview of the show Ozark. Have you ever Have you yeah. ever seen it? I, I've never watched it, but I heard, like, you've. I think you watched the first season. I, I watched some of it. It was yeah. pretty decent, but yeah. I, where, where I fell off, and maybe I ought to give it another shot, is I fell off because I... I Whatever reason, I was liking in it, liking in it too much to Breaking Bad. Yeah, you know, like a, a, a and that'd good, be hard. A, 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 a normal guy get, gets involved in some bad shit. Yeah, but it, from what people have told me about it, it's it's very far from that. So I might give it another shot. But what's badass is I seen this preview or this clip of it, and that shit. Is like goes it goes along exactly with what I'm talking about. You got Jason Bateman, who's great. Like I'm, I'm a big Jason Bateman fan. Like he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's just like so great. Like he's funny and like he, yeah. <laughs> he's such a good actor and and he's good. But but um, uh, he's in there and he, I guess he's pulling fifty million dollars out of the bank. Okay. And it looks like there's like these government guys, they're all suits, fed guys or whatever. They're they're all around him. And they don't have a case on him or anything like that. And they're asking him questions about what he's going to do with the money. Yeah. He's like, "Well, I'm starting a business." And they're like, "Well, no business takes that much money to start." And My business he, he's does. like he's like, "I'm am I doing anything illegal? Like like what what do you want?" And like they're just, oh well, we're just asking questions, and he's like, and what he says is great. He's like, well, uh, he's like, well, the truth is, if I want to take all of this money, yeah. throw it in a hot tub, strip down, buck naked, and play Scrooge McDuck, he's like, that's my business now, isn't it? <laughs> but, but his sentiment is exactly mine with yeah. all of this stuff. Like, it's not your business. If somebody is doing something bad, illegal, nefarious, do your job. Yeah. And investigate them because the bad and people, the bad people doing nefarious shit are doing it anyway. Yeah. So I say all of that to say that for, you know, the crypto bros and the crypto heads, to me, that is like a way easier route to take than transitioning everything to crypto is, well, if you really, if you really want to yeah. change things, put pressure on your government to put laws like that in place. Yeah, and what is the FBI and and this especially the CIA what do they do in other, in other countries like where they'll do like oh all right well let's start a whole fucking riot over here and get motherfuckers out of leadership roles you know let's topple this regime you don't think that the CIA will do that to crypto you don't think that they'll fucking destroy you guys by fucking tanking the the market you all know, kind like, of shit all, to all, manipulate yeah it. so it's warfare so digital warfare could, so essentially what you and and it's a lot quicker to hold your politicians accountable than it is to try to reform a whole system yeah. just something to think about and because Tucker was making a good argument about this trucker convoy and he was the argument that he was making is that 
them threatening to freeze the funds makes a good case for crypto. And it does, it does. But then when you see a government official talk like, well, we're going to freeze it anyway. Well, shit, what appeal does it have now? And that's the other thing is like where you have, where you need certain laws in place. I tweeted the other day that what a time for alternative tech. You got Rumble offering Joe Rogan, which which we covered a hundred million dollars. And you have Give, Send, Go, which is the alternative to GoFundMe that did some coward-ass shit for the trucker convoy. People were raising millions of dollars for the Canada trucker convoy. And they decided to welch and not give people the money. And they were actually going to keep the money, which is totally illegal. But then they decided, oh, well, we're going to refund people's money. Yeah, bitch, you better refund it if you're not going to, if you, if you're not going (laughs) to give it, you didn't keep it. Yeah. But you have Give, Send, Go. That's like an alternative to them. And they raised $7.5 million for the truckers. So these are two alternative platform wins. Yeah. But one of those alternative platforms, Give, Send, Go, they're still stopping it. They're still freezing yeah. it. So now what you need is laws in place where this can be. Now what would you see you need? And I don't... If the Republicans drop the ball on this, if they get the House and the Senate... It is unforgivable if you don't reform big tech. If oh, you, yeah. If, if you don't make it where, listen, you really can't censor. I guess we get that it's a private platform. We get that. But just like Verizon doesn't have the right to shut down your phone service if they don't like the things that you're talking about. Now, they, ha- they have the right to shut you down if, if you don't pay the bill. Yeah. They have the right to do that, which... That's fine. That's totally understandable. But just like they don't have the right to shut you down if they don't like the things that you talk about or the things you look up on the internet or what have you, big tech, there has to be some process before people could be pulled from from the platform. The only thing that I don't like about that and the only thing that kind of like go against my core is that I don't like regulation. Yeah, but against tyranny though? That's to me that like it's an even trade off because like this shit is tyrannical like the stuff that these people are doing at this point. In, in a perfect world, what I would like is that is that people see that and they're like, all right, well, fuck that. We're not gonna fuck with that. We're gonna go to Gab or we're gonna go to Parlor. Yeah. Fuck YouTube. We're gonna go to Rumble. Which with Rumble, that is definitely happening. That like Rumble keeps growing. Yeah. The only thing is then you get these bigger companies that host their servers and then that becomes a thing. So it's like, all right, well, somebody has to play referee here. I think the only people that have really spoken about that, if I'm not mistaken, at least big politicians has been for sure Ron DeSantis and uh, Ted Cruz. Howley. Howley has talked about it. Yeah. And so you're not, you know. Those are things that yeah you're talking about them, but like when you guys take over, are we gonna do something about it? Are we gonna write a bill? What are we What are we doing here? Because I think that there has to be legislation. Because look at look at it like uh, this way. Um, to me, what's happening in big tech? It's like over regulation. So basically, the bill is like, well, let's stop all this over regulation of people, kind of like. 
the way Trump took care of Dodd Frank is like the way you look at this big tech stuff. Is like, listen, this is what you can and can't do to let people live. Yeah, but, but the only difference is Trump got rid of regulation. Yeah, to get to get rid of Dodd Frank. Essentially, yeah. what this would be is implementing regulation. But I see your point. Yeah. You're implementing regulation on something that's so tyrannical yeah. that it's actually creating more freedom. Yeah. Which is a just s- such a weird matrix we're living in yeah. that that's even <laughs> possible. I mean, to create a law to create more freedom. Yeah. So wild. Yeah. And I mean, I mean but look, look but that at, shows you like the communist yeah. mentality of these motherfuckers. I mean, look at the time we're living in. It's 2022 and you can't eat in a restaurant here in Chicago. If you don't have a vaccine card. Yeah. It, or in the so county, it Cook County. Like, it would be like if, which they would never do, but like if if the House of Illinois got together and made a law where like this this vaccine passport shit could never be done again. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you can never do it again. Like it's yeah. not it's not legal. Well, I mean, what happened to Hitler and shit like that? not legal to force restaurants to do it. If a restaurant on their own wants to do it, they can do it, but yeah. you can't like... It can't be like a city-wide blanket. It's just crazy because that would be giving people more freedom, but yeah. you would put in a lot to do it. So wild. What a time we live in. Yeah. And to me, it's like, well, yeah, that's fine if, 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 a com- if, a, if a restaurant does it. But then at that point, now you're you're really competing against other restaurants that are like, listen, they don't take you. Come on in. Yeah. And so that well, phases out bullshit. Well, which is interesting because for as much as, and I know this is going to butthurt a lot of people, but it needs to be said. People, for whatever reason, ignorance, like to call Republicans the racist, even though it was Democrats that were the minds behind Jim Crow and, and segregation <laughs> laws and everything like that uh, during the civil rights era. And what's interesting is those were democratic governments and municipalities that implemented those segregation laws. Yeah. And it was certain restaurants and certain establishments that went against the law that were like, well, no, we don't care about color here. We, or we, the only color we care about is green. So black, white, sit wherever you want. Yeah. Yeah. You're all are welcome here. It's kind of like that in a way. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. The, the idea of laws to create freedom. It just, the two things don't even really. It, it's kind of like a, it's really a it's mind a, fuck. It's an oxymoron. Yeah. That's what it is. It, par- yeah, an oxymoron. A, a, a paradox. What type of paradox we living in? And, and and what's crazy is like. It's the multiverse of madness. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But I'm, I'm proud of, of the way Canadians have been, you know, going at it like that. And it's like, man. You guys are really making some noise because this is the first time they've ever done an emergency act in Canada. And you know what's wild is a few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember when Trudeau was hiding out, he was saying that like he was making it seem like it was not a big deal. He was like, oh, well, just a few, a few people and, and, and making it seem like it was, it was, uh, it was nothing. Well, now, like, why are you like, you know, doing, pulling out all the stops and everything if it's just a few people? So in a way also like we're not getting the great footage because like obviously the mainstream media they want to quell this shit yeah. but 
it makes you wonder that like that Canadian government, they got to be a little bit scared right now if they're if they feel that they need to do all of this. Yeah, well, I saw a video and I'm not sure if it was uh, I know it was like an anti uh, like forced va va vaccine uh, video. Let me see if I can. Uh, I'm not going to play it, but. Yeah, so it was it was New Zealand. It was outside of the parliament, and and uh, they were demanding the end of all mandates. But it was like the wildest shit because all the men, all the men, like like uh, right there at the protest line, they're like doing this chant, like they're like, <sighs> and like they're moving like in unison, <laughs> uh, yeah, like in unison, like some three hundred shit, like doing like the same, and then like they look like big, strong, and like we will we will take it there. And like, I was like, damn, like they're going to January 6th, that bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it looked like. Like they were doing a chant, but like the way it looked like they were focused. It's like some Game of Thrones or 300 shit. Like, I was like, man, that that's that's crazy that we I, I'm seeing this today because like when we go outside, we just look at a lot of like compliance. So like to see other countries outside of the United States. Like, see the truckers in Canada, see that shit pop off in New Zealand. It's like, man, like, there's always going to be that, like, shining hope that people are like, no, we're not going to do that. And and um, no amount of news is going to stop that from happening. Yeah. I I'll forward it to you, but I, I thought that shit was, like... That's interesting. Wild, yeah. Like, like uh, and it was to end all mandates, you know? In Oakland, there was a truck. I, I Someone sent me a picture of a truck. The, the, the picture... And I mean, Oakland is here. It's like a little suburb in, in uh, uh, right outside of Chicago. Um, someone had a, it's like kind of like a U-Haul truck, but it was like with like a, like a, like a little projector mm -hmm. in the bottom. And it's like, we, the people choose free will say no to tyranny. So it's like, there's enough people that are like, no, we're going to promote like freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like, uh, it, it's just scary still that it's gotten to this point where, like, you know, two years ago, we weren't in this situation. Like, if you really think about, like, how, where we were two years ago before the pandemic, like, a lot of stuff changed. And, and, and like, we're forced to do a lot more for a lot less. Yeah. And that's when you start realizing, like, you're part of something that's, like, on the downfall, really, like. Aaron Clary, were you right? Should we just enjoy the decline? Like, because you're looking at that and it's like, wow. And then on, on the other hand, the stuff that gives you hope is you see, like I said, the the convoy. You see, you see this billboard like uh, like out of nowhere in, yeah. in the streets of Chicago. But the fact that we're there though, <laughs> fighting it off is like, and for the for for two years that shit was like easy easy work for the governments to do. Well, but now you you're starting to see. It changed a little bit, which is what I predicted. I remember, and I was telling my dad this, and I, I know I told you, and I might have even said it on the show before. I said a lot of these people's tunes will change once the midterms start rolling around. Yeah. And if you notice, you got th these mask mandates are dropping like flies. Oh, yeah. Nevada the other day, man. And, and that, that shit almost brought a tear to my eye with the Nevada one. Because I guess they announced that and the teacher, there's a video of the teacher. She's announcing it to her class. Yeah. And they're all little kids. I mean, they, they got to be like kindergartners, first graders or whatever. And you see the immense joy 
that these kids have yeah. when they hear that. I don't have kids, but I know I'm annoyed with the mask. Yeah. I get annoyed. So I could imagine what a what a restless kid must feel. And to see that and like to see like damn the joy that they have, like that's crazy. Yeah. The 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 just the the sense of like the torture they must have been under. Yeah. In this time yeah. and 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 like just these evil motherfuckers. It's like even though the evidence and all the data is out there to show that like kids were super resilient to the virus and and essentially none died basically. Yeah. And yet like no mask, mask, mask. It's like like what's in you? Like you there's you you have uh there's this it's like evil really. There's no other way I could yeah. describe it. It's or or like this this sense of you know what they remind me of some of these politicians like these people that that like they were like bullied early in life and now they have like a vendetta against yeah. like the world like a chip on their shoulder but it take it but to me uh, that's that's a beautiful thing like to see that but then to me like what what kills me is this it goes back to when we almost had like a blockbuster deal of a real estate uh situation when we were in our early 20s yeah. Right. You're 21. Yeah. Yeah. 20. Yeah. 21. So it was ridiculous. Like the fact that we were at that age, had the down payment and the excellent credit score, like from where we come from, it's like we played, we played by the rules. And, and to me, like when, when that happened and I didn't go through, it, it made, it made it where like, it was like, kind of like a, in a way, it was like like a midlife crisis, but not midlife crisis, like a quarter life crisis. Because it's like you realize the powers that be will switch the game on you and 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 let people, other people, win, even if you play by the rules. Yeah. And like and so so to me, like that's when I knew I'll never vote blue. I'll never. I'll never. Not like I'll never. Yeah. I'll never ever like you'll never see it. Like, because you stopped me from making moves. Now, obviously, moving forward, if you don't get it through one avenue, you get it through another. And you keep preparing and you don't give up. And, and you know, moving forward, like, it was badass. But to me, these mass mandates, all this shit, they're tampering down. But best believe, if, if they get any inkling of winning, they know they could get use that again. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, no, eradicate. And and, and you're 100% right about that, where you said the never vote blue thing, because it was funny because you and I, like, we've always been, you know, business savvy. We've always been interested in, in what's going on with politics. And because you're interested in what's going on in politics, by default, you're sort of interested in history and how history has played out historically and, and, and certain things have played out historically. And it's just interesting to me because this narrative that's so stupid and so easy to disprove, but yet so many people still believe it of, oh, well, Democrats are for the people and Republicans are for only rich people. No. No. We were two kids from the hood at 21 at 21 
working at Target and where you were working at Best Buy or yeah. Carson's at the time. Best Buy. Maintained our credit enough, didn't have kids, weren't on drugs, weren't in trouble, didn't have a criminal background, and had saved a crazy amount of money for that age to be able yeah. to put a big down payment on something. Oh, no, you can't. But meanwhile, the bank system was set up. If like you were a coastal elitist with a gang of money in the bank, oh, you could keep making moves, but you that like needs needs a loan from the bank to do yeah. it, like we can't do it. Now, if you want to become... A, 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 a debt slave and get like this four hundred thousand dollar house. You could do that, yeah, and be be a debt slave. But <laughs> but but uh, but make a move and like make some money and better yourself and build some equity. Nah, like you can't, you can't Never do that. It. You you gotta stay right there, boy. You you gotta. So I don't know, like that. That seems a little bit more like white supremacy to me than I than anything a Republican has ever done. Yeah, yeah, and and, and so. Nah, man. Like th those are the moments when you look at that as a wow. This is rigged. Like these people will rig it, and then these people will tell you in your face, like we're for for you guys. And, and that's <sighs> what's crazy to me is this tolerance of hypocrisy. What's crazy is, are you familiar with uh, uh, Jeremy John's uh, channel? The he does the 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 movie reviews. Yeah, yeah. I think you've shown them to me. Yeah. Now, granted, he does movie reviews. He's not political. Nothing like that. But my man's did something today. Well, at least I saw it today. And I imagine he put out the video today because he did he he did his review of the the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness trailer. He, yeah. He went over it and like he gave his thoughts on it or whatever. Yeah. What's crazy about that particular video? And, and and we talked a little bit about this with Jaspri Singh the other day from Minority Mindset. How like you, it gets to the point where people can't avoid politics. Yeah. <laughs> so Jaspri, I get why he can't avoid politics because he talks finances. So you really like the deeper you go into finances, eventually you're gonna hit politics. There's really no way around it. But. With movies and doing reviews, not necessarily. Yeah. I'm pretty good at observing people's behavior. And I'm pretty good at like kind of interpreting where why people are saying the things they're saying. And Jeremy Jan's doing this. Not only did it catch me off guard and did I find it very surprising. I thought it was pretty badass. So he's talking about the most the 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 Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness trailer, and before he gets into it, he talks about how the trailer aired during the Super Bowl. Yeah, and he says he didn't have a dog in that fight. Be you know he didn't really I guess he didn't really care too much about it like us like yeah. whatever never cared. Tom Brady wasn't there. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like that's pretty much my sentiment. The goat retired, but. Before he gets into the trailer, after he gives that little, he sets the stage, he sets the stage, so to speak. And before he gets into his his review of the trailer, without needing to, he shows a bunch of pictures of celebrities maskless. 
Oh, great yeah, ass yeah, guy. Yeah, in, in the corner. And he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, dude, he's like, honestly, the thing I was entertained by is, is how, how many and how long all these celebrities were able to hold their breath. Because I don't know if you, you saw you, Garcetti. That was the excuse he used the other day. Yeah. He was like, oh, I had my mask off, but I was holding my breath. Bitch, shut up. <laughs> Fuck off your jaw, your ass. But what's crazy is Jeremy Jens, he took that, what Garcetti said. Yeah. He shows all the pictures of the celebrities. And for whatever reason, he feels like it's like he almost... He too wants to like give a jab. Like I don't know, maybe somebody he knows was fired because they didn't get the jab, or maybe, maybe it came off as like, like fuck these people. That's what it came off yeah. to me as, and like I'm gonna say something about it before I get into my shit. Yeah, but that's like I need, like you said. That's like I need to call out all you goofies just off a of straight like. Everything we've been through, like I, I'm gonna put this little segment. You could kind of see that he's a real dude. Yeah, like it's like yeah. it's like yeah. Let me say this, like yeah. And it, but he says it funny and sarcastic. He's like yeah. It's just and he shows you see Matt Damon, Jennifer Lopez, Ben Affleck, fucking uh, all the other motherfuckers yeah. were there. Not one of them wearing a mask. He's like yeah. I, he's like I was just surprised how many celebrities were able to hold their breath for so long. Only one that could do shit like that is fucking Pitbull because motherfuckers real with it. And and, no. and and these are all celebrities that are that are with that shit. See, yeah. Kanye was there and he had a mask on. He had that black that not like the the yeah. the, the China virus mask, like you know that black mask he's been wearing. Yeah. But he could get away with. Oh, that. he took it off when when he was seeing the show. And it's funny though because when we went to go see his concert. He he didn't care he was, about that shit. He and even in the remember in the Titan Tron, it said it said uh, it said uh, body ownership or self ownership. Yeah. Like he was yeah. So to me, he's not a hypocrite. He's come out and said, and, like, mm. "I'm not with this shit." Like I don't care if you got the jab. Yeah. I don't care. I he didn't he didn't care about the jab. He didn't care about motherfuckers being tested, and he didn't care if motherfuckers had a mask on. Yeah, that's real. Real. But all it. these other motherfuckers, it's whatever. But it's just funny that Jeremy Johns, he felt compelled enough to, to talk about because you didn't have to. Like yeah. there was it has really, nothing to like, do with the movie. Yeah. But it's like, hey man, I gotta keep it real real quick. Just to let you guys know this is where I stand with this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Dope. It was dope. Yeah. Um Yeah. That, that that's that's a polarizing thing to do when your channel is about Well, movies. he did it in a way where like if if a motherfucker is with all that mask shit, I don't see them like stop fucking with him. They because probably you feel really like, can't. Oh, you really fuck. can't because all he's doing, he's not really making a statement whether he agrees with it or not. Yeah. He's making a statement on the hypocrisy of it all. Yeah. Here we are. We have this the the Super Bowl taking place in one of the most restrictive yeah. states in when it comes to the 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 virus measures. One of the most restrictive states in one of the most restrictive cities. All these people gathered in this stadium. Hardly any of them are wearing uh, a mask, including these leftist ass celebrities. That's why. That's why I was kind of like, even though I really didn't care, I kind of wanted Cincinnati to win because Ohio came came in big. So like, yeah, you know, L.A. winning one. I was like, damn. Whatever, you know. 
But that was really my whole thing is um, just like where the team is from. Yeah, where 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 the team is from and like what they were on, especially like the last even election. Though, even though Cincinnati is such a shit city. Yeah, it is. Oh God, we <laughs> we know that. <laughs> I was I was thinking about that because during the Super Bowl, uh, Chris Collinsworth, he's in a a commercial. With some lawyer, I don't know, and they're talking about like how great Cincinnati is. I'm like, my boy, if you don't shut up, like I, me and my <laughs> friends been to Cincinnati, and we were there what three, four days. How some Twilight Zone? It shit. was that's an awful city. Yeah, I remember. I remember when uh, we went. Remember, like people, people would look at us like we were like, like unicorns, otherworldly. Yeah, like, who the fuck are these motherfuckers? <laughs> And and the 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 Hooters, it was like a like a trailer park. It shit was strange. It was a strange, strange city. Yeah. yeah. It was it was great because we were all together. Yeah. But that like that was like I, I remember very frequently on that trip thinking like, damn, if I was in this city by myself, I'd be so depressed. Like it would be a very depressing <laughs> yeah. experience. Hell yeah. Yeah, it would it would be bad. Just cause like it it's just um I don't know. It was it, it gave me a weird vibe like 100%. Like you motherfuckers ain't never seen fucking minorities or what happened? Like the city part it was more normal. But that's just such a small like cuz we live in Chicago. Yeah. So that was that was uh definitely an awkward uh time. And we had actually went to go see Chris Rock. Right, that's why we went. Right, yeah. Or Dave Chappelle. No, yeah, Chris, Chris Rock, Rock. Yeah. cuz we went to Milwaukee to see Dave Chappelle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so so well, well, at least I went to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I remember during that time, like I was on a roll. I saw like almost every comedian to ever exist. I even got to see a dude from Full House, uh, Bob Saget, rest in peace. I got to see him live. Um, oh, wow! I saw him here. I think Talia Hall in in Chicago. But man, I went on a rip, and uh, that was like something that was badass. I remember the Chris, us going to see Chris Rock. Greatness. was he was getting ready to put out his last special yes which the, was the tambourine up, yeah. on netflix yeah that that was uh yeah because when we watched tambourine well, or at least when i watched i was like damn this is literally the set uh, uh, a lot of the same material yeah. yeah some of it was different but but for the most part it's just it was i i think tambourine was like more fine-tuned exactly like just, yeah but I was like, man, this is this is uh, some epic shit, and um, I feel like Dave Chappelle when I saw him, he took a lot of the jokes that he had, but then he added some more stuff. But now I see why, because like during that span, he came out with like fucking a million specials. Yeah, that was like three or four. So I was like, holy shit, this guy's been at it. Yeah. But but um, yeah, like that that was uh. That was really the only reason, though. Anyway, back to with Cincinnati is like I wanted them to win because. But while we're on the subject of stand up, whatever happened, which I remember talking to a friend about this, and I I was like, yeah, I don't, I just don't see it happening. But whatever happened with all that money that Netflix gave Eddie Murphy to do a stand up that never that never came out. I know. And I remember talking to somebody. I was like, you know what? I just don't see it in him. I don't think he has it in him. Yeah, um, cause they 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 did do that, and then uh, and really like they did nothing, cause it was like uh, it was actually way before the the movie he made, 
the Dolomite is my name. Oh, way before that, but then even before the the sequel to uh, Coming to America, which I heard was garbage. Yeah, but that wasn't Netflix. That was Amazon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like during that time, I was like, oh, I wonder what he's gonna come out with. And then oh. I found out Coming to America was coming out. Came out not great. Uh, yeah, my name is Dolomite. Yeah, I like, couldn't even get through it. Yeah, like my name is Dolomite was actually badass. Yeah, but, th- that was good. Yeah, I I think he's better in more like comedy slash dramedy roles. Like I I don't I I just he's just not like a hundred percent comedy no more. Yeah, yeah, cause um, when he talks, when you hear him talk, I don't know. He just seems kind of like I'm not really on that no more. Seems chill, kind of like, I don't know. A lot of times he seems out of it. Yeah, like a lot of times it's just like. Uh, Off the motherfucking meds, right? baby. But, uh, but then the pandemic happened. Because uh, I'm like looking at it and I, I don't see anything. Anything about him returning. Like besides what we had heard on it. Like what was it, 2019? So maybe that. Because like, how could you really do anything in the last two years? I mean, you can, but yeah, it, it's it's it, it would be weird, cause, but like for what for for most of twenty twenty. Well, well, Chappelle, he's had one. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, um, he made a few jokes about it. Remember, he talked about like yeah. what jab he has. Yeah. Johnson Johnson. Oh my God! But the one that's just such a beta shill, awful one. I don't even know why I I put it on. It's my fault. The Aziz Ansari one. Did you see that one on Netflix? I'm not big on him. He's nah, kind of garbage to me. Yeah, I'm not big on him either. He's he's always been garbage to me. But I was like I was like cleaning one day and I was like oh I just threw it on or whatever. Yeah. And oh my god like is this guy like super pro jab and yeah yeah just oh. just goofy he even crazy. pissed me off in funny people i wanted to punch him it was it, what is he doing on stage yeah. it's so weird he's like I, I need it i need it like he's talking about uh some food or some shit uh, chicken the no nah, the the ice cream cold ice stone cream. yeah and it's like like that scene in that movie makes me want to like it's go cringe. through the screen and just punch him in the it's face. It's cringe and it's so out of place and stupid. Yeah, like I, I don't know funny. the guy. Yeah, I don't know the guy. Yeah, it wasn't funny at all. And he's not fun. Like I don't understand the craze what, behind. Him. Yeah, he's, he's whack. But I mean, hey, whatever. <laughs> like I don't, I don't. I if, if it works for you, I guess. Like I'm not gonna. I don't want it to sound like we're hating. It's just like a real critique. Nah, you can't. Like that that's the thing like you can't people can't always equate critiquing something with hating on it. Yeah. Like you know you know who 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 gets hated on is and this is interesting the the you know the Daily Wire they've put out two movies. They yeah. uh, uh Run Hide Fight and Shut In. And low key I kind of want to subscribe to the Daily Wire to watch those movies. Yeah. Because the audience score is amazing. Like the critics bash it, but the audience score, they love the movies. Now, the critical drinker, which is crazy because I guess low key, like, like, uh, 
I know he must be a Daily Wire subscriber yeah. because the only way you could see Run Hide Fight is if you're a Daily Wire subscriber. It ain't on Apple. Yeah. It ain't you can't buy it or watch it anywhere else. Go away now. <laughs> which is wild on Ben Shapiro's part because because like I see what you're doing, Ben. Like you're you're developing your own shit. I, I rock with a hundred percent. But like he's developing his own stuff and and like his own world. you're gonna see him because he he has this thing with Adam Carolla and they just had TJ Miller, which was the guy from one of the guys from Silicon Valley, the yeah. the guy with the curly red head. Yeah. They had him do something with the Daily Wire. So he's Ben Shapiro, he's creating a media company. Yeah. Like he's it's gonna be a media company. Yeah. And I, you're gonna eventually see they're probably gonna step away from the Daily Wire name. And it's gonna be like the Daily Wire is gonna be like the news section of whatever the fuck they're working on. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. do books and all type of shit. Yeah, he's on it. I w- I wouldn't even be surprised if he signs if he signs one of these rappers like that are that are like that 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 the one dude the the white dude with all them tats. Yeah, that that talks like about this political stuff. I could see something like that, or that Bryson Gray dude. Yeah. I could see Ben Shapiro doing something like that. Well, I'm gonna sign one of these motherfuckers because people like rap. Yeah. We, we he could use our distribution channels to get them out there. And then even do like good ass deals. Like, well, we won't take from the merch, but you know, sign this for the sale. Like, like do something where it's like, man, these guys will be like, damn, we're making our our cash. He did he did a deal with that that uh, Orlando Magic NBA player, I think, for like a book, the one that didn't kneel. Yeah, yeah. And then the one that kind of spoke out against the jab. He's on it, man. Yeah, he's doing stuff like that. It's 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 cool to see. Yeah. But anyway, back to what I was saying. These two movies. So the Critical Drinker, he did a review on Run Hide Fight. He didn't think it was a great movie, but he didn't think it was bad. He he, in his opinion, it was a middle of the road movie. Yeah. So he's taking the side of well, I'm not a hundred percent with the audience, but I'm definitely not with the critics either because the critics yeah. like bash that movie. I watched some. Rev- I seen some. It, it, I was compelled after I saw his review on it to look at some critic reviews. Does are always very interesting to me because you, it's so politicized now. Yeah. And a hundred percent, you see. Oh, an agenda-based movie, a pro-gun movie, a movie that thinks the only way to solve violence is with more violence. Well, I don't know. Do you know another way, motherfucker? Because it's not like these people listen to law. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> like, if, if they abided by the law, they wouldn't be shooting up a school, which is what the movie is about. Yeah. Um. So, it makes me sort of, it makes me sort of compelled to see uh like to sign up for the for for the daily wire to watch those movies to see to see what the critics are to to see my to get my take on it but that's real hate though to me because you really hate on on like the movie like you could be like it's middle of the road exactly kind of agenda based and and, and that's exactly what i was getting at is like that is not you're not critiquing at the movie like what the critical drinker did that was a critique yeah what you're doing, you're hating. That's yeah. a total different thing. So what we're doing with Nziz and Zari, it's not hate. Like we've yeah. given several examples of what we don't rock with. Yeah. And, and to me, it's like that doesn't take away from the person. Like, yeah, come to the show. Let's talk. I think you're. Yeah, you're, it doesn't have nothing to do with him as a person. Yeah. I don't know him as a person. I you're, just, you're, you're not funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, 
Because I've tried, man. I really have. I, I give people a chance. like. And it has nothing to do with politics because we've been rocking with Bill Maher. Yeah, yeah. I went to Indianapolis to see Bill Maher do stand-up. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Like, I went, I, I drove there, got a hotel room because I wanted to see <laughs> Bill Maher do stand-up. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like badass shit. And to me, like, that's, like, come on. Half, more than half of the actors and actresses we like because of their work, they're like leftists, hardcore leftists at that. So, like, if you're good, you're good. Yeah, God like damn. We like were just good. talking about how great we thought the, the Super Bowl halftime show was. Yeah. But how goofy we thought Eminem was for taking a knee. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. It Years just, after the knee thing was even a thing. Like, yeah. hey, bro, what are you doing, man? He's it's always so behind. Yeah. So, I mean, just knock it off. Um, yeah, it's like we, I'm still going to listen to Eminem if he comes out with a good song because primarily I like his music. Right. Not, not as of late, but like when he makes good music, not like his politics. Yeah. Like, would you think whatever you want to think? So, uh, since we're on the subject of media and culture and comedy and, and all of that stuff, uh, good time to segue into, uh, the, the segment about our sketch where we, yes. on, on this day, eight years ago, we traveled to 1929 well, me, Donnell, and Neil traveled to 1929. Yeah. You were already... I was already there, baby. You were already in 1929. I was one of Capone's goons. <laughs> and, and to kill Cupid. <laughs> now, do you remember the mindset in in writing that sketch? Uh, well, first, like, the mindset was, like... Because I remember coming up with this shit. We're like, oh, damn. Like... We would come up with shit sometimes that we had to stop and be like, wait, hold on. Is this doable? For us at yeah. that stage, yeah. And so at the time, like, Eric became such a powerhouse when it came to editing. Yeah. Because, like, we knew about editing and we started teaching him and then he, like, surpassed us, like, drastically. Well, well, but that's what leaders do. Yeah. Like, like, leaders, and when you're a producer, you don't have time to be the actor and the editor and the director and the writer. What you do is like, you have to be the resource where the editors and the writers and everybody can, can go to, to yeah. make, to make these things happen. So we were producing sketches weekly and we were like, okay, well he seemed to really enjoy that. And he had a knack. Out, of, out of everybody. He had the, the knack for it. And so I remember in that meeting when we sat down and we were discussing like whether or not, because the sketch was already written, but now it was like, all right, it was like a, a pre-production meeting and we're like, well, can it be done? And really it, it, it all rested on, well, can you do the effect of the time machine? Yes. Because, and, and when he said he could do it, that was like our green light because yeah. it really rested on that because everything else I knew yeah. like as, as a director and, and as a videographer, I could do, I could do even when we went back in time, like the, the, the graininess of, yeah. of the, the black and white film, because the sketch starts in color is the mod modern day. Yeah. And then it jumps back in time and then we go to black and white. I knew all of that could be done. The music, the sound effects, yeah. everything. 
but that that time machine effect it was that like well, was well can can that be done well i remember because i edited most of it and so like i was like i can't do the effects i was like so i remember sending him the packs of like this is the this is all of the the stuff i need you to do like you're specialized to do the the effects and then send me back the stuff so then i can plug it in right because i all i knew like where our stuff stopped was like we edited like how we wanted it like right but when it came and, to special and i remember shit, i remember even like we and it was such a well machine because you remember we used to do pre-edits where yes. like we would essentially edit it on paper and like it was i don't even know if hollywood does that but i know that was like because i remember we uh, a few times we had a Attila edit some stuff, whether it be music video or sketches early on. And that is wild. We pre-edited. Yeah, and I remember going through the footage, and I would put like what audio to use, what video, what footage to use, at what time to start the clip, and at what time to end it. Yeah. So essentially, the editor. It was like you had the instructions. You literally go through the paper, and then if you have any questions. You you just be like you all right well I'm not sure about this and then we go over it. It was tedious. It was tedious, but like it, it was kind of quick yeah, because it's yeah. like all right well we would we would do we would do the footage and the audio dump. All right, put it on the hard drive. All right, maybe that night like if it wasn't too late, but we would often end those production meetings yeah. late. Maybe that night or or or, yeah. or the following day, the following morning, or the the next available time. We would sit down with the footage and it's like, all right, well, this is the audio. Because remember, we had a slate and everything. So we always knew like what audio went with what footage yeah. and everything like that. So it was like, all right, well, this is the audio. This is the footage. All right. I like out of these scenes, I like this one. And we became very good at like knowing when to cut. So it wasn't like you're watching hours and hours of footage. Yeah. You're just watching the footage that you need for that particular scene. Yeah, because we knew the idea behind the scene so like this is the the this is going to be the 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 role that we're going to use right this is this is the money maker right here but we need to cut it up make it look nice exactly so at certain segments they're like oh you know right here we kind of got lazy cut and, that and because essentially all the actors were also the production team yeah, it's like everybody. It was like very cohesive. It yeah. wasn't like, oh well, we got to meet with the actors and we got to meet. That's why we were always very hesitant to use outside actors because it just be makes the process that much harder. Yeah. Versus, well, everybody is in house. Everybody knows each other's techniques yeah. and everything like that. And I remember a lot of times, which like I'm glad that I did, but like I would always. And, and and sometimes I look at like the stock footage and like the bloopers and stuff like that. I remember like I would as director like I would always push you guys a lot further. Yeah. And I, I could tell that you guys would be getting tired, yeah. but like, I'm like I'm gonna push because yeah. like beyond that is like you always get good stuff. Like yeah. that's where people get creative. Yeah. A lot of a lot of ad libbing. A lot of you know people like doing their own thing. So you change you would change the fucking. Uh... <laughs> Half the of the scene on the fly. Yeah, you know what? No, man. I think I think we could say something, man. Like, like, why don't you just say something? Go take it wherever you want to take it. And I'm the like, fly. what the fuck? Are we gonna <laughs> exactly. But that's because that's me trusting yeah. my people. You know. Yeah, and so sometimes some of the shit, like 
like I remember some of the funny shit. Well, one that I remember a lot was the one with me and Melissa, where like we were we grow old together and we hate each other. Young love. Young love, yeah. And like so, I remember you guys like were just letting us do whatever the fuck we wanted, and so you guys were dying in the background. You're like. And, like, we had to keep the composure. And then, like, Melissa would lose her composure. That would make me want to lose my composure. But it, that that was fun. Like, oh, hey, listen, just do what yeah. you want with it. Let's let's go. Yeah. Or, like, the the one with the, the STD singles. How you changed the whole ending of that yeah. shit. That shit was great. <laughs> Eric came through. Yeah. Hire a Mexican immigrant. Or, like, or like, I remember, I remember we had a whole sketch written out for our Christmas sketch oh and then it became again because we were using all these other people because we had the location remember it was my yeah. cousin's house and that was good the location was good and it was going to be at the same place i had already reached out to her i'm like hey can we use your house for this sketch she's like yeah all of this and all of that people started flaking out they started welching so i remember like i want to say it was a day before Ernie came over and it was just like everybody else was busy because it was during the holiday season. Yeah. Everybody's busy doing shit or whatever. Ernie came over and I was like, we, you and I have to rewrite the whole sketch. He's like, wait, what do you mean? And I'm like, because everybody is just welching. Because I think yeah. we were going to go over some stuff, but it turned, it went from like a pre-production meeting to like a writing meeting. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then we're like, damn. And so he, it was his idea. I remember to, he was like, well, why don't we like make it a man child sketch? I was like, that's damn. a good idea. And yeah. then I was like, all right, then the black Santa. And then it just, it started me and him started bouncing back ideas back off of each other, back and forth. And then it we became, came in, we're like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was like, this is, this is the new holiday sketch, the new Christmas sketch. But classic. Too. And as you see, we had a knack for like messing with the holidays. And because it's around Valentine's day, I just thought that it, it would be par for the course to talk about that sketch and, and yeah. you know, the process of it and stuff. We used to like to take like the contrarian, like, argument so like instead of it being about love it's like nah man let's get rid of love. it yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so i remember when we when we did that's that what i was gonna say like that was definitely yeah. uh uh well killing cupid that yeah. was that's the point it's like well you know everybody on on valentine's day is rocking with cupid yeah well like what would it be like to like be like well nah fuck that like yeah. let's kill cupid to but get our friend back because he's right. in love right now. Exactly. And he won't but hang you out have with to us. give a good enough reason yeah. as to why to kill Cupid. Yeah. Like, and then, and then w what I like about it is like, well, yeah, let, let's get ridiculous. Like, let's travel through time. Cupid was a fucking well, s s pimped out black well, dude. Well, 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 the thing <laughs> is, the thing is, I remember, I remember when we were writing the sketch, it went from, it went from, all right, well, fuck this love shit. Like, let's kill Cupid, right? Yeah. Now, we're going to kill Cupid. How do we kill Cupid? Like, we're so we're throwing around ideas. And then the idea of, because it's a Valentine's Day sketch, the same Valentine's Day the massacre, massacre comes yeah. up. So it's all right, well, maybe we could somehow correlate the two. And, and, then, and, then, and then my mind, 
instantly went to Ernie looking like Al Capone. Yeah, and we're like, dude, you need to shave. He's like, I'm going to Christian Bale this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when he shaved, he looked just like him. And, and it's funny because then as we're writing the sketch, if you notice the names, the names in the sketch, Daniel's name is Mandela, <laughs> a black ass <laughs> name. And then... You, you, and Eric are 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 Al Capone's goons, and your name's Mario, Mario and Luigi. <laughs> we were like so fucking like uh, stereotypical, which is what makes it super funny. Yeah, Mario, Luigi, go find out if this is true. <laughs> yeah, that and, shit. And how great of a job does Ernie do as Al Capone? Dude. He does a phenomenal job. Dude, dude should have won an Oscar, and me. <laughs> <laughs> and and like like. I remember when he shaves because we're like making making fun of him because he like we're like damn bro, what's wrong with you? And then like his brothers are like you look like a fucking pedophile, <laughs> <laughs> like we were just clowning him. But then when when we actually went to do the fitting and that was what was great too is like we started getting a rapport with like little companies that yeah. would do like like uh, they had like different props and lenses stuff. props like just studio stuff. And I remember when we would go. They had like uh, we had like little costume stores that we would go to, and they had Tommy guns. Yeah, because I, I, I remember you sent you you guys did that. Yeah, uh, and that was great. Like it was always a teamwork of like, well, if somebody couldn't be there, things would got get done. And you, I remember you sent me a picture yeah. of Big Baby holding the Tommy gun. I'm like, damn, that shit looks great. Yeah, yeah, and then so so and 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 Melissa, she was like always like into that shit, like the whole. Um, theater stuff so yeah. then she she was the one who came up with oh this store is a big costume place yeah and so we're like all right well let's go and man i remember like walking in and they, they it was like in a glass in in, in casement or whatever and, and then i was like we need that i was like how much to rent that and then and then uh, and then they're like oh yeah this much and then i'm like how many do you have and they're like two we'll take them <laughs> Tommy guns, bro. So we're, I, I was like, oh my god, we got Tommy guns. We had people in trench coats, hat. So then when Ernie came in with his, uh, and then me and Ernie, we we worked uh, together. We yeah. did security together. So I remember like we had like the black suits and we would have trench coats because that was like, it was like a high end like uh, condo uh, spot or whatever. So so we already would dress like that. So we're like, this is good. This is good. So we went to the store. And we got him a hat. And when he wore that hat, I was like, dude. Yeah. Al Capone. And then and then and then I remember we filmed that on two separate days. We filmed by the the jungle recording studio one day. Yeah. That's where we filmed the scenes with the 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 room and then the scenes where where uh, Donnell and Big Baby are walking down the street. And they meet me with my character, dog food. Yeah. And then and then that's the other thing. We had it all where like a homeless man was the one guiding them through time <laughs> traveling. <laughs> of all people. <laughs> we're, we're wild. And, and just just for like overhearing their conversation. I know how you could get your friend back. <laughs> and uh and and so And the fact that when you went back in time you had the same clothes you had before. Right. It was like well, how come everyone else has like? But that old... one was what was great is that like we created such a mis mystery around this character. Yeah. It's like, well, who is he? Where does he come from? Why is he helping us? But like, 
Thanks. Yeah. You know the the vibe you get from from that character dog food, which I play dog food, is like I feel like that's the vibe. The it, it, the sort of the the Doc Brown from from Back to the <laughs> yeah, Future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly the vibe. Yeah. And uh and uh so yeah we uh we we wrote it and I remember we filmed it we filmed it over the course of two days different locations. And I remember the first day we had we had Eric behind the camera. He did play that one little scene where he's like walking down the street with his girl. Oh, holding and, her. Yeah, and they're and and that's where Donnell and, and Neil comment on like, oh man, this love shit got motherfuckers fucked up or whatever. Yeah. But I remember that day he was very pivotal for the behind the scenes stuff. Yes. Because Usually, like you and I were like, we did a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. So I remember you doing audio and him running the him running the 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 camera, and because there are a lot of like really intricate shots in in that first part, the 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 part where Neil and and Donnell are in the room. That was a very small room, yeah. but yet we got like very intricate shots. Yeah, the shots that I'm talking to them, and then getting clean audio. Being outside, which you were always yeah. good because of how tall you are, yeah. you were able to get the mic close without being in frame. Yeah, and even then, it's it's badass looking at it because like doing the podcast and moving transitioning to that is like damn. Now thinking about it, is like it w- shotgun mics would have been perfect for that scene. Yeah, because it would have probably blocked more air. Because yeah, I remember we did have the problem with the air because it was real windy. Yeah, and so uh, sometimes you don't even think about that. You watch a movie, you watch media and you're like wow these people are dealing with wind how do you deal with that oh well yeah shit. even though Get the dead equipment. cat on the mic is pretty effective yeah but but yeah there are other methods and yeah. stuff more intricate methods yeah which you um, learn along the way but as i watch the sketch and, and for anybody that's interested in watching the actual sketch you could go to youtube foul but funny killing cupid and the sketch will pop up it's a, like 11 minutes it's very funny uh, and you could kind of get the visuals of everything we're talking about. But now the second day of filming, that was massive. That was a massive filming day. We had we had Holden on set. Yeah. You pretty much what what made that that day so rough is that everybody is on camera, yet. We need to record. Yeah, we have to like per- produce behind the scenes. <laughs> that's tough. And so Vince, even though he's in, he's in the sketch. He's the guy that's like Al Capone is beating up. Yeah, I remember he was very pivotal, yes. and I remember he was kind of new to everything. But like we pretty much like instructed him, and uh, like yeah. and he helped out a-, a great deal. And we actually couldn't have done it without him because their scenes were literally. Everybody else is in the scene yeah. except his character. So it's like he's the one. Yeah. But also and 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 more importantly what made that second day so rough was the cold. Yes. How fucking cold it was. Yeah. You could see us on camera. You could see if you look close like how we're shivering. Yeah. That reminds me of the other sketch where we're like uh flip-flop effect where like remember that scene where like we're getting rid of your dead ass body yeah. also dog food yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's always dying so 
So, like, I don't know if you remember when I'm, like, panicking. Yeah. Like, I was cold. Yeah. And I was panicking. <laughs> so, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to panic because I can. Let me use this. this is the scene. This. Yeah, this is the scene. My feet hurt. <laughs> so, I was like, oh. And I look like, I when I see that scene, I always laugh because I look desperate. I was. I was real desperate. I needed to finish that scene, cause like I uh, that, I remember that was a rough that was a rough night. It was rainy. Yeah, it was that was that was rough. Yeah, and you know, I, I going, and we always and we always pushed, we pushed. Because, what is your idea for to to take a <laughs> to take a video of my feet, like like gain like a uh, frostbite? Like, no, no, but like when I was like my feet. Oh yeah, have you noticed that people die laughing at that scene? <laughs> Like every everyone I show, even it could be like they're like, oh wow, this is cool. And when I'm like, oh my feet, and then like the scene shows just my feet and my toes wiggling, people die. Like I don't understand that shit. I'm like, dude, that's not even a punchline. But like people laugh at that shit all the time. So it, it makes me, uh, it, it's interesting because it's like something that you don't even think about. Oh well, we got to show that his feet. Like you, sometimes you don't know what like what works or <laughs> yeah. not. What's gonna make people but, laugh? But yeah, that second day of killing Cupid, it was so cold. I remember. Yeah. And I, I remember with that particular <coughs> sketch, it was such a tight deadline. It literally it was like we needed that out before before Valentine's Day. Yeah. Or on Valentine's Day, and it was like well we need to finish filming today because literally we need to start editing tonight type of thing. Yeah. And like, I wonder what, like, cause when we did the scene where we're walking, we're all walking to go kill Cupid. It's like a factory. And then there's a door. Yeah. But then the other scene when we're inside, we actually like had a motel we rented. Yeah. So I'm wondering like when the people saw us in costume going into that motel, like, damn, these motherfuckers are freaks. <laughs> Cause we had the one girl dressed like she was like a cheap whore, yeah. You know, and, and like, and then like we're just—it's all men. Like, what do you guys? They probably, and and cameras—they probably thought we were shooting a flick. Yeah, like, I didn't damn. even thought about that. Yeah, so so I'm like, damn, these people probably think like we're on some freak shit. <laughs> we're we're doing a sketch for Valentine's, bro. Like, what do you? <laughs> so, and then like the way uh, um, Holden played Cupid. It's just like smooth. Even <laughs> well, the way you would expect like a, a personified version of Cupid to be. Hell yeah. And in the twenties, so he's a gangster, the gangster he, of love. When 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 she throws when the when the girl he's with is like, no, she's like, I love you, Daddy. He's like, Well, you know <laughs> I'm the gangster of love. <laughs> and then when when we break in, it's like, There you go, get him <laughs> which, which is I that that part always makes me laugh because <laughs> That was improv. It wasn't in the sketch. That wasn't in the script. But what's funny is like, I think in the mind of dog food, it's like, well, who, like, who else would that be? Like, like I don't think you really need to point it out to all everybody that that's Cupid. I, mean, I, looks think, like I, Cupid. I think they know. Yeah. And then and then and but that was a cool take that we did on the arrow. Like it was yeah. like a, a badass. It was like a badass arrow instead of like the traditional some gang, arrow. Yeah, some gangster shit. The yeah. gangster of love. And like the way she slow mo is that slow motion, she throws the bow, he catches it, he shoots it, and then the arrow, the camera. <laughs> and you're like, oh <laughs> That was great. And then and then Neo delivers like 
Neil was always great at like one-liners. Yes, he's like where he's like in the in the Christmas sketch where he's like, uh, "Christmas ain't never gonna be the same." <laughs> that is one of my favorite. I always die laughing because you could, as as like gangster as as Black Santa is, yeah. it's like you could tell that this whole man-child experience kind of like mentally fucked yeah. him. <laughs> so he has to like somehow in that moment express it a little bit yeah like, like he had some hope in christmas like, not anymore man christmas ain't never gonna be the same, same. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then in this in this sketch that we're talking about where where he they we bust in and then uh and it's like uh ernie's like oh you must be that cupid guy he's like and holding is like yeah who wants to know and then neil is like yeah nigga we hit a ghost your ass <laughs> It's like it's like this one more literally was just is from another era, but now that he's here, he's really embodying this gangster <laughs> shit. <laughs> Ghost your ass. That's like some shaft shit. Yeah, and it's like he's bringing modern terminology to, to the. T- <laughs> I just realized that he's like what. <laughs> <laughs> we hit a ghost show ass. Then the music. Yeah. When you're dying, when or dog food's dying. Yeah. Which and then the music right before uh, we out Cupid was. I remember your touch. You were like, yeah, yeah it gives it like a inglorious bastards kind of. Yeah. Feel. Yeah. Like because because like everything was shot so beautifully. Like it was like perfect. It was like symmetrical. Yeah, and that's because at, at that point, after I, which was I was like. I'm dead now. Yeah. I could get behind the camera now. Yes. And so I was like, all right, boom. I got that symmetrical shot. Yeah. Which to me, when we were at on scene, I was like, it just speaks to me. Like this shot has yeah. to be in there. Yeah. And then when you guys are lined up and I was able to get the sh- the tracking shot of, of everybody with their gun before he gets outed. Yeah. It was just it was just perfect. Yeah, to me, I was like, man, you just ooped. it's like you threw a fucking big ass alley oop. I gotta like f- windmill it. <laughs> and so like I remember when that music played, it was a real westernish. Yeah. I remember in Glorious Bastards, although it wasn't a western, had western like uh, I guess not themes, but like you could see the influence of westerns in them. Yeah. So it's like da da, it's like a violin, and then the second violin, fucking uh, Ernie walks in. Yeah. It's like I timed it so it could go perfectly with the scene, but it's like when you get something like that, it's like you feel uh, you could see why why when someone does the scores, like they have to know about the character. They have to like I don't know if you remember for Christopher Nolan, um, uh, when he did The Dark Knight, uh, uh Hans Zimmer. Zimmer he the inspiration came from the character once he knew who the character was once yeah. he saw the scenes he's like all right and yeah and right they watch the scenes yeah. to get the yeah, the feel yeah. yeah you get the feel and they say man now i'm inspired to make this because this character's there yeah. or this scene is there like once you start seeing it is that like, now you know what audio to put yeah and i remember that was fun because like i had to try to get royalty free music but at the same time get the feel of the Stuff because so, we didn't want to like you know it to be flagged because YouTube flags everything. So that was fun. Like the whole experience was like crazy. Now to come to think of it, because yeah. it's a culmination of everyone's yeah, work. A hundred percent. We got to get back to it. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. But uh, yeah, for anybody that wants to watch it, uh, Faba Funny YouTube Killing Cupid. Uh, it was it was great. We we all took part in in uh, acting in it and and writing and yeah we we used to do sketch comedy so it was just since it's around Valentine's Day it's uh it's it, I found it worth talking about 
That's our episode for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. The show continues to grow because you guys keep listening. So keep on listening. If we talk about something you know somebody would be interested in, please share the episode with them. We're on all podcast platforms. If you're listening to us on Apple or Google or Spotify, give us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. And if you want to help us stay independent, go to our website and donate an amount of your choosing. We will see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Peace.